Hello, friends. Welcome to Midnight Radio. I am your host, Jerry Adams. First of all, I'd like to thank our producer. Our producer for today's show is Lady Lisa. We don't have any executive producers, but she is a producer, and we thank her very much. If you'd like to become an executive producer, you can send a cash app to dollar sign Midnight Rad 101. And anything above $20 will make you an executive producer and you'll get a shout out on the show. Thank you very much. All monies received for the show goes to maintain our radio music license. Thank you very much. There's three stories I'm going to cover tonight. The first one is about the Covenant School shooting in Nashville. The school rampage that left many dead. We're going to go into that. I waited 24 hours so I could get more details and more details I do have. And you're going to get them here. And I also want to talk about a Georgia teen that was bullied to the door of death. And I have new information for you on the Idaho 4Ks. All tonight on Midnight Radio. Let's start off with a school shooting in Nashville. The perpetrator was Audrey Hell. This was a female, born female, transgender person, uh, transitioning or transgendered to a male. This is important you know that. That's why I'm bringing it up later in the things I'm going to tell you. It's important to know. So those of you that have not heard about this, let me go ahead and play a video that will catch you up right now. A Nashville church held a prayer vigil last night to comfort a city in mourning after yesterday's deadly shooting at a Christian elementary school. I was hoping this day would never, ever come here in this city. Newly released surveillance video shows the moments the suspect identified as 28-year-old former student Audrey Hale. We will go over all the videos in their entirety tonight on this program shot through the side doors and entered the Covenant School. Within minutes, law enforcement responded. Multiple victims now inside the school. Police say two officers pictured here shot and killed the suspect on the second floor of the school. Even in a remarkably fast response, there was not enough time. Among the dead are three students, all just nine years old, identified as Evelyn Dykehouse, Hallie Scruggs, and William Kinney. Also three adults, custodian Mike Hill, substitute teacher Cynthia Peake, and head of school Catherine Coons. I'm just so sad and heartbroken for the families that are impacted by this um, and their, their children. Police say this was a planned and targeted attack that the suspect had detailed maps drawn out of the school surveillance and entry points. You're going to hear about detailed maps. You're also going to hear about a manifesto. We'll talk about that more later. It's just heartbreaking to see it actually happen right here in our hometown. A growing makeshift memorial of teddy bears and flowers now sits outside of the school. Nashville's police chief said the suspect was armed with three weapons, an assault-style rifle, an assault-style pistol, and a handgun. Now let me tell you what assault-style means. Assault-style just means it looks like an assault weapon. Law enforcement believes two of the weapons were obtained legally. Christian Benavides, CBS News, Nashville. It's also reported that Audrey Hell lived with her parents who were very strict fundamentalist Christians, is what they call it. What is... All right, moving on to our next video. Check this out. This is more shooting video released by the police. 
The Metro Nashville police releasing surveillance video of the moments leading up to the shooting there at the Covenant School, that grade school that left three young children dead and three administrators dead as well. We want to show you that right now. We want to just warn you that uh, this is very graphic and viewer discretion is advised. It does show. If you're listening to this and you're searching for a motive, the one that the media shows at first is not what it's looking like. It's not what it's looking like at all. I'll come to the the uh, newest information I have towards the end of these videos we're going to look at. So the moments uh, the shooter entered the school uh, and began looking around. Uh, let's watch. Okay, so there you can see the vehicle the shooter drove. At 28. All this video I'm going to show you was let out by the police. It was let out within 24 hours of the incident on their Twitter, something I've never seen before. Now, I don't know what kind of, um, what part of this can and cannot be shown on YouTube. So there might be some of it edited out if you're looking on YouTube, but be aware it'll be on our website, midnightrad.io, unedited, and it's full. Uh, full released version. Eight-year-old from Nashville driving up in the parking lot here. 28 years old. Uh, of the school. This was released just uh, moments ago by the Metro Nashville Police Department. Audrey Hill, a graphic designer, by the way, living with her parents, uh, went to her website, which was available uh, within 24 hours after the shooting. It has since been taken down, which I think is complete and utter bullshit and shouldn't happen it seems like it uh you know it changes the narrative doesn't it if someone takes all evidence someone ever existed takes down facebook takes down everything so they can control the narrative it's not right department uh the shooter who the police identified as audrey e hale saying that the individual identifies as transgender. Enter now you're going to see this. You're going to see the entry point, which is very graphic. I need to warn some people here. You're going to watch some graphic things, but if you're here at Midnight Radio, I shouldn't have to warn you. The building by firing through a side door. There you see it. The shooter walks in, kicks the glass. Armed with two assault. You can see automatically that the fire alarm has gone off. Style weapons and a handgun. That's according to John Drake. Now, one thing you'll notice is she's moving with a sense of purpose. I see no nerves at all. The, the decision was already made before she entered, that is for sure. He's the Nashville Police Department chief there. So she did attend this school when she was young, much younger, and she had maps. So she knew where she was going. So remember, the police identified six victims in this shooting there, the shooter, and you can see. Ready to shoot now. Bracing the weapon, the sirens, it looks like, going off there. 
And remember, viewer discretion is advised. Uh, this literally just happened this morning, uh, and emotions are still raw and still very, very fresh for this community, uh, as now they... And that is how fast they released this video. That is how fast they released the videos, yet there's other parts of the information that they are not giving out to the public. Some of it I have. And when I get the manifesto, we're going to look at that too. Although that is not being shown. Are seeing this we'll as well. About the mine. moments uh, that that 28-year-old shooter walked into the Covenant School there in Metro Nashville and started shooting. All right. It looks like here's where it's going to get alarming. This passed what's called the children's ministry right there. She passed that for whatever reason. Some type of front entrance. This is a large this is place. This a private Christian elementary school. It's a large Christian elementary school, I'd say. Wow. Okay, so that is their, the first video yeah, uh, released. Right at the end there, I'm going to play that little part again. You can see someone, Lucy Hill, not Lucy, Audrey Hill taking private Christian elementary aim school. and shooting somebody or something. Okay. Right so there. That is their boom. The first video uh, released by Metro Nashville police. Very, very difficult to watch, but you saw the moment. Here's the weapons. All right. Now, if we look here close, what is that? Looking at full screen that on the stock on the, cartridge I can't tell but I'm sure it holds significance looks like a skull with two ovaries on it I'm not sure on either side I'm not sure but remember Remember that picture, and we might, it might come up again in our investigation later. And the gun has a sticker on it also. So look at this symbol. Would you look at this symbol? Keep that in mind, and we're going to try to find out what the motive is by looking at these symbols, and it's something the mainstream media can't and won't do. And there, the handgun as well. Okay, so... Uh, All right, we're going to end this right here, and we're going to continue. And I want to show you the moment that Audrey Hell is approached by the police. And they have a... Oh, they don't really have a standoff. Let me show you right now. All right, so for those of you that don't know... This is a footage I'm about to show you. I'm going to read this, a little bit of this, so those of you that haven't been following will know exactly what I'm talking about. Because police have released a frightening body cam footage of the moments officers took out mass shooter Audrey Hell. As it was revealed, she suffered from an emotional disorder and heard her cache of weapons from her parents. The footage released by the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department shows officers Rex Engelbert and Michael storming through the Covenant's 
school's hallways as they methodically hunted down the 28-year-old mass killer. Soon after entering the building, the heroic cops could be seen rushing towards the second floor of the private Christian academy while reportedly shouting shots fired. As they rounded the corner and they laid eyes on hell, the body cam shows officers rapidly firing at the shooter, blasting bullets as the, as the shooter blasts bullets in their direction. Seconds later, hell can be seen dropping to the floor. So again, warning to everybody, this is graphic. I'm not sure how much of this you can see on YouTube, but uh, the full version is available on our website, midnightrad.io. Can you hear the bullet fire? Watch out, watch out. Watch left, watch left. Suspect down, suspect down. Hey, hold the air. That is it. That was Audrey Hell being taken out with decisive action. The aftermath of this, well, let's look at that right now. Three young children are dead, three adults. An American community is reeling, also America. America itself, and not only Americans, but those around the world. Wondering about this senseless gun violence. I can't remember his name right now, but the sheriff of in Florida, the one I, I watch his videos quite often, he catches sex offenders and things like that. He had something interesting to say. He said that in Florida, there's a law that if you have a school period, whether it's public or you have kids in it, it is the law that you have to have security, armed security there for just such an event like this. And he said he recommends they do that there in Nashville. So to break that down for you, there's people calling for no guns. No illegal guns is what they're calling for. And he's calling for more guns for protection by people who are trained to use them with decisive action. Maybe now you saw that video, you know what decisive action looks like. Monday's attack was the deadliest U.S. school shooting in nearly a year. And the 19th shooting at a school or university so far in 2023. Here's what we know so far about the victims. Evelyn Dicas, 
She was nine years old. And her family just wants to be left alone. That's what they said. Mike Hill, he was a custodian. Custodian. He also worked in the kitchen. He loved cooking. He was uh, 61. He had seven children. He was a member, again, of the facilities and the kitchen staff. We have Catherine Kuntz. She was the head of the school. She attended Vanderbilt University, Nazarene University, and got her master's degree from Georgia State University. We have Cynthia Peake. Cynthia Peake was a substitute teacher at the school, and um, Haley Scruggs. Now, her father was a preacher and is a preacher. Actually, they just moved from Dallas. He was an assistant pastor in Dallas. They moved to Nashville. Her life's now been taken. And, of course, William Kinney. I don't have anything about him. This is very sad. Very sad. What more do we know about Audrey Hill? That is what pops up into my mind. Well, we know a little bit more. But first, I have a video from your girl, Banfield. I wasn't expecting to hear from her about this. But did you know that Melissa Joan Hart, that's right, um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, that was a show that made her popular. Or Lizzie McGuire, maybe? No, that was a different lady. Anyway, she helped Nashville kindergartners escape the school. More about it right now on your girl, Banfield. Thank you so much for, for joining me. To, and I'm so sorry that it's in these unbearable circumstances. But tell me about your day. What, what, where were you going and what all of a sudden happened? Well, as you talked about Sandy Hook, I lived in Connecticut at the time of that as well. Had a first grader in school, ran to get him from school. Um, I don't even know if he was in, I think he was in lockdown, but I don't recall. And so um, now we moved to Nashville two and a half years ago and um, we were driving to our kid's school and we passed Covenant every day to get to our, our child's school. He wasn't in session yesterday, it was conference day. So we were going just to meet with his teacher. So my husband and I were together and we see a helicopter down the road and we're like, what? what is that helicopter just sitting there for? And then we're redirected by just one cop car is like, you can't go straight, you gotta turn. So we turn and the car in front of us stops and I see, I'll never forget this image of a woman coming out of the woods onto this five lane highway. And there's, there's this calm expression on her face and yet she is so stoic and all of a sudden all these little children start crossing the street and it's she stops the traffic and she gets her children out i get out of the car and i go to try to help her lifting children like pushing past shrubbery like lifting them out of woods and one little kid says to me what's going on and i said we're just going to cross the street right now and i was just praying that that child didn't hear the fear in my voice because it's all sort of coming together what's going on there was a helicopter there's no cops around there's just a school full of children coming through the woods and we got them across the street as fast as we could the teachers didn't want to make eye contact i think it's because they were trying not to break down they were trying to hold it together for these children and so i wasn't really sure how to help but then i decided to go over to the children and one of them was crying and I said, you're okay, you're okay. And another little girl said, I like your pink shirt. And, um, and I said, well, I like your shirt too. And, and then the, the teacher kind of ushered them away and they, they went down. And this woman that was helping me with the children um, sat down next to me and goes, my children are in that school. So I decided to stay with her and 
pray with her and another mom came up and prayed with her and um, my husband ran to now at this point about 200 police officers cars unmarked cars sirens everywhere it was like loud it was deafening and um my husband went to one of the cops and said this woman her children are in there what does she do and we figured out we should get her to the fire station so my husband drove her in her car to the fire station i went back to our car which was parked the other direction and as i'm sitting there wondering what's going on like it seems like it's a shooter situation but i don't want to put those words together yet and um i'm sitting there and four ambulances go by me and that's when i realized this is what what is what is happening what is going on when i was praying with that mom in the hill we were saying you know there were some shots that were heard but we don't know what that was we don't know if that was in the school we don't know we don't know anything right now we're just i'm going to interrupt and say this as is fresh in my mind you know something that's disgusting that i've heard angled in the mainstream media's reports is blaming fundamentalist christians for this you know the reason for this is the choices of the person that got the guns and pulled the trigger. It has nothing to do with gun laws or anything like that because anything besides guns could have been used and has been before. It's the person's choice that did this. It is already, you make guns illegal, it is already illegal to kill people, all right? Laws won't change things. The person that did this changed things. The only way to change this from happening in the future In my opinion, I agree with that sheriff in Florida, Sheriff Grady. And that is to have security there to take care of this right there. How did this person even get allowed in this school to be able to shoot the bullets into the doors and not have been taken out? That's what the problem is. And I think there should be government money to this, not all the other bullshit that it puts money on. So it's a government that pays for the security in any school, whether it's private or public, to keep these school shootings from happening is solely on them. And it's solely on us if we don't vote towards this. That is what the problem is. And to say that somebody's religion, whatever religion you are, you sick bastards, to blame their religion for the reason something like this happened. We're going to see this as we can continue, as we continue here. And you're going to see what I'm talking about praying that everything is okay and you know to see those ambulances go by it was it was pretty clear that that there was a lot of injuries if not deaths it's remarkable that you're going through this melissa um having lived at you know near sandy hook and so this seems to be a recurring theme that people across this country are getting closer and closer to their own experiences with school shootings and maybe tangentially as close as one degree away. There there was something else that you did. You helped to reunite um, a child with the child's parents. What happened? Well, that was the woman that was sitting next to me on the hill. We were up on this hillside. I can't even describe it. It was just the side of the highway, really. And there was a fence that we couldn't get through. And the children were having to like single file go along the fence line. And they went in one direction. When the mom behind me said, my children are in there, that's when we, um, we just, I prayed with her until my husband was able to help her down the hill. I realized she was pregnant. And I'm thinking now, of course, looking back, I'm like, in 2012, I had just given birth to my third child and I had two kids in school. And, um, and I'm that mom, you know, 
about a, a decade before. And I just felt for this woman. And so my husband was able to bring her to the fire station. And as soon as she walked in, apparently her children came in through the back door. So she was reunited with her children. Um, and I was so glad to know that because I don't know her name. I don't know the children from that kindergarten and I have not watched the news. So just seeing what you, um, you showed us the body cam video. I had not watched that and just wondering which classroom these kindergartners came out of and you know, how they got out, how their teachers were so brave to get them out and to, that is one thing that should be noted in all this. They've had a drill before about just such an occurrence. The alarm went off. The teachers and the kids knew what to do. So where the people who did have their lives taken by Audrey Hill, who is solely responsible for this. So why they were out, where they were found, I don't know at this point. But what I do know is you didn't see kids going down the hallways. And the sheriff... He talked about that and how it could have been a lot worse had the school not had some preventative measures. I'll never forget the look on that teacher's face as she crosses the street and doesn't really look because what's in front of her is less dangerous than what's behind her. And she just has to get her little babies to the other side. And it was so traumatic. And I and I was just and I was just a bystander. I'm just there trying to help in any way I can. But to know that there are parents last night that went home without their children, there are parents last night that went home and had to explain things to their children that they saw, that they experienced, that they heard, those first responders, it, it is just, it is just. All right. So when I talked about the cure to this, which is having posted security at the doors in the vicinity, armed, all right? And I talked about the government paying for that. I'm not talking about the federal government. They're not good for a flip except for uh, their own interests or the interests of their friends, all right? I'm talking about Nashville itself and maybe even the whole state of Tennessee. I'm, not ta I'm talking at the state level, not federal. Unfathomable. The whole thing, it's just, it's, it's too much. Melissa, I'm so sorry that your community is touched by this horror now and that this is, I mean, it's like I said before, you've now dealt with this twice within your own, you know, personal space. You know, the city could afford it too. You know how many cities put a little bit extra, a couple cents here, a couple cents there on your water bill. So you pay for the fireworks that the city has every year. How about we cut that frivolous amount off? And we have security at our schools because you can do that. How about that? So that's how the city could take care of it. Or they, if you want to keep your fireworks, fine. But there's a vote at your city level saying, okay, we're all going to pay four more cents or five more cents or even a dollar to pay for the security at our schools so our children don't die from people who want to kill them. Because that's where the fault is, the people that want to kill them. All right? And you need to be one of the people that want to keep them alive. So make these choices. Don't expect somebody else to be your savior because it's not going to happen. Base of your family, well, your haven. Actually, my son, I said to my 17-year-old last night, I hugged him and I said, you know, this is, I'm sorry that this is the second time you've been in a lockdown. And he said, actually, mom, it's the third. And I forgot that his schools, there was a shooting in the temple next door. So I forgot about that one. And he reminded me, he was very aware of that. Well, listen, thank you for what you did yesterday. And, um, and thank you for, for telling us about it as well. Thank you for sharing. I'm glad. I'm glad Banfield got that, that interview. I'm very happy about that. All right. 
Now, this is where we really start diving deep into what made Audrey Hell do this. All right, and we're going to talk about some of the other things I've heard also. This is from Fox News, and uh, if any time you'd like to call in about something that you're viewing, maybe you like it, maybe you don't, I dare you to call in, 325-261-0892. Leave me a voicemail message, 325-261-0892, about what you're watching here. Nashville Shooter felt no other effective way to be seen. Radical trans group says, really? Hate has consequences. Hate has consequences, the Radical Trans Collective said. Well, this is interesting. Let's check this out. So a radical transgender group said the transgender Nashville shooter felt no other effective way to be seen than killing six people at a private Presbyterian school. Guys, remember when I told you those symbols that were on those weapons? All right. Remember what those look like? Well, the Trans Resistance Network, TRN, a far-left transgender collective, released an inflammatory statement on Monday in the wake of the Covenant School shooting by transgender woman Audrey Hell in Nashville that killed three nine-year-olds and three adults, calling the mass murder a dual tragedy. The group wrote, the first was the deaths of the children and adults in the school and extended their deepest sympathies and heartfelt prayers to those families dealing with the loss of loved ones. There she is, Audrey, Audrey Hell. There's nothing we can offer that will comfort the hurt or ease the sorrow, TRN wrote. We mourn with you. The second and more complex tragedy is that Adrian or Audrey Hell. Now, I saved it until now. Remember when I told you to know that this was a born female going by Audrey Hell or reported, reported by Audrey Hell from all the media's Audrey Hell, but... There, the website taken down, the name was Aiden Hell. So to friends, Aiden Hell, to relatives, she's known as Audrey. She was born Audrey, and she was living the life of Aiden. And her website is taken down, and her manifesto hasn't been released. And we're at the point now investigating to see whether what links that Audra, Audrey had with this Radical group, TRN. And I didn't even know about TRN until recently. Okay, so the second more complex tragedy is that Aiden or Audrey Hell, who felt she had no other effective way to be seen than to lash out by taking the lives of others and by consequence herself, they continued. TRN wrote, they do not claim to know the individual or have access to their inner thoughts and feelings. But they do know that life for transgender people is very difficult and made more difficult in the preceding months by a virtual avalanche of anti-trans legislation. Uh, what are they talking about? Sports? That you can only play what you're born, what you're born sex is? And that's worth murder? Is that what they're talking about? What, what is the other anti-trans legislation? Seriously, educate me. Educate me in the comments. Let's see, there's also the bathrooms in some places. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. It's about the uh, sex change medications for minors without the adult's consent. Okay, that's what it's about. So 
We do not claim to know the individual or have access to their inner thoughts and feelings, but they do know that life for transgender people is very difficult and made more difficult in the preceding months by a virtual avalanche of anti-trans legislation. Let's take a point to make sure we politicize this. Yes, let no tragedy you know, go by without grabbing onto it. And public call-outs by right-wing personalities and political figures for nothing less than a genocidal eradication of trans people from society. Many transgender people deal with anxiety, depression, thoughts of suicide, and PTSD from the near-constant drumbeat of anti-trans hate, lack of acceptance from family members in certain religious institutions, denial of our existence, and calls for detransition and forced conversion, TRN claimed. All of these factors contribute to a population that is medically underserved and who often faces anti-trans bias while accessing care leading to significant physical and mental health disparities. Hate has consequences. Yes, hate does have consequences. And it was Audrey's hate. That is the sole reason people died in Nashville that morning. Make no mistake about it. I don't give a flying F what TRN says. I don't care. I'm not saying these things don't exist. I'm not. That would be ignorant of me in this situation. But what they are saying is far more ignorant in comparison. This was a choice of a person. Let's not say, okay, let's pass legislation about trans health care, and that is going to solve school shootings. I cry bullshit. Hate has consequences, a radical trans collective added. Now, this set the, the, uh, that's their name. The radical. All right. TRN then pivoted to laud transgender people in the wake of the shooting. They left three nine-year-olds dead as well as three adults at the Christian private school. There's a testament to the inner strength and beauty of transgender people that despite the overwhelming odds of homelessness, job discrimination, and constant anti-trans bigotry, you know, you want to talk about overwhelming odds of homelessness, discrimination, and joblessness? Let's talk about veterans. You have no idea. Matter of fact, just about uh, two people out of every three homeless people you see are veterans. Anti-trans bigotry and violence, so many of us continue to persevere survive and even thrive we will not be eradicated or erased i wonder how many retweets this has Twenty-one thousand hearts read by 3.8 thousand replies the radical transgender group then made a veiled threat at the media writing they reminded they remind the news media to respect the self-identified pronouns of transgender individuals who come across your desk Audrey Hell self-identified with he, him pronouns on forward-facing sides. We also urge you to avoid pandering to those individuals on the right who will use this double tragedy to torment, fear, and terror of transgender people in order to advance a political agenda or transgender elimination. This is what they're doing. This is coming from them. They use this 
what did being transgender even have to do with this? They, from their own words, they don't know who this person is, but they're just saying, hey, I'm going to tell you this. This would be like me coming to you after I found some 40-something-year-old veteran. If some 40-year-old veteran shot up some kindergarten, and I come to you saying, you know what, that is a tragedy. It's horrible. I'm not going to say it. But you know what, let's talk about veterans' mental health care. You know, we, the problem, we need to do something about this. One breeds the other. And unless we pay for more veterans to have mental health, bullshit. Because that is not going to fix it. All these school shootings, it's a different reason every time. And the reason is that person that walks in there with a gun. What this group did was disgusting. And it has nothing to do with pronouns. It goes from any newscaster's desk. And I'm going to stand up and talk about it disgusting and you know what if there's another group that did this too it doesn't have has nothing to do with being trans if there's another group that did this it's equally as disgusting and i would have called it out had i seen it i would have called it out if it was about veterans i would have called it out and then blaming the media according to the website trn is a collective of experienced organizers committed allies and concerned groups who are coming together for the long-term survival and well-being of gender diverse people in a more extreme environment in other words they're a political organization and that's what they're doing what they do they're blaming other people of doing politicizing this that's what they're doing and it's sick and it's going to be continued through other sources it's not just them but i'm going to call it out right here because i'm not afraid All right, what hasn't been let out now is a manifesto. They're willing, and this is against the police, all right? They're willing to talk about this. I don't want, and everybody's willing to add their opinions of why, just like TRN just did, so they can politicize it. But what did the actual manifesto say? Why does evidence... The website where she actually called herself, um, was it Aiden? I'm sorry, I had it on here, and then they took the website down. Uh, Audrey called herself Aiden, all right, and it had all of her art on there, all right? It wasn't disturbing. Um, it seems to me that it would be hard to uh, have a career as an illustrator because I had a... Uh, I had a sister-in-law who was one time that couldn't make a living at it. So maybe we should eliminate illustration from college so people don't feel uh, unfulfilled. Maybe that's the secret to this. I mean, she was living with her parents. Maybe that had something, something to do with this. Truth is, we don't know. And as we continue, as the mainstream media or organizations or the government or these websites without any courage take down these things so we can't look at it afterwards, then that's allowing any political party that comes along to change the narrative because they're taking away the facts, and that should not be allowed. That is un-American, and that should be against the freedom of the press. All right, We're going to get a hold of that manifesto, and we're going to read it. And this is horrible. All right, when I do, I'm going to put on our website, midnightrad.io, where you can continue to follow the story, and um, it won't be edited. 
Now, here's another story. I'm transitioning to another story, which is just as bad and it makes me just as upset, okay? And I don't know if you've heard about this, so you've got to check this out. His name was Trent uh, Lairkamp. He was haste to the point of death, all right? Now, let me show you this before I go back to that. He was, he's in the Georgia ICU, and he finally, as I was researching the story, he just opened his eyes and regained consciousness, so he didn't die. All right? Now, here's a video of a previous hazing incident that this poor boy went through. Now, I will tell you this, just so you know, that the people he was hanging out with were a little bit younger than him, and also, he, he had, he has, rather, because he's barely barely still alive all right he had um autism i'm thinking that maybe if something like this happens to somebody autistic it should be considered a hate crime and if this happens to anybody else you know let's say somebody who doesn't have autism and they aren't of a protected class which i mean being white is not a protected class all right if this boy was of color of any color if he was Indian, if he was black, if he was Hispanic, it would have been a protective class. So it could have been a hate crime if the kids were white. This is white on white, no hate crime. And uh, right now, just because he has autism, they don't, uh, that's not an excuse either. Matter of fact, I'm going to show you this video, and this is something that happened to him previously. This, this wasn't that night. This is previously. And I'm going to show you pictures of what happened to him that night, what they did to him unbelievable amount of hazing now it wasn't hazing for the boy scouts and it wasn't hazing for a baseball or anything it was just hazing to haze somebody because you can all right this needs to not be allowed anymore all right let me show you right here they're waterboarding him they are waterboarding him Disturbing footage shows a Georgia team being hosed down during a vicious high school hazing. 19-year-old Trent was admitted to the ICU and placed on a ventilator after being force-fed hallucinogenic mushrooms and liquor for hours. He was also allegedly waterboarded while Glen Academy students urinated and defecated on him. Many online are online and demanding police aggressively pursue this. People have a lot to say about this. I hope they all get charged to the fullest extent of the law. That's what some people are saying. Let me read this to you. He was re- Reportedly forced to down dangerous amounts of alcohol, fed hallucinogenic mushrooms, and spray-painted during a brutal bullying incident. The victim, 19, remains in an intensive care unit in stable condition after he was tormented at a spring break house party in affluent St. Simons Island in coastal Georgia on Tuesday night. A community Facebook account posted a clip showing the victim seated in a plastic chair. They put this up on Facebook, everybody. With his head bowed, someone sprays him with a hose, but police later said that footage was of a prior hazing incident with the same teen. Wait till you see his picture coming up. 
of what they did to him. I'm going to show you. Several other bystanders can be seen in that clip, including one teen who mugs for the camera while celebrating the humiliation and throwing up the bird. The bird is the word. Police are investigating if a separate photo circulating on social media was taken from last week's incident, which left the teen on a ventilator. I'm going to show you that right now. The image shows him sitting unconscious in a chair and covered in spray paint while several bird flipping males stand beside him. These fine young men bound and unconscious and unresponsive board to a chair spray painted him from head to toe, pissed on him, took a shit on his lap. And the list goes on alleged the Facebook account. There it is. There he is. They did this. Is this a hate crime? Well, no charges have been filed, and people are mad about it. Matter of fact, they're protesting. And they're protesting to the point the FBI is now involved. Look at this. They have some kind of something on his head, stuff that they poured on his head, a Chick-fil-A wrapper, God knows what, pee all over him. They pooped on his lap. All right. The police department didn't confirm any specifics of the alleged assault, but said a group of kids had dropped the unconscious teen off at a local hospital early Wednesday and left before police arrived. Officers did not see any signs of physical injury on the individual, but did note the presence of spray paint and also urine. The agency said in a release he was being treated due to a high level of intoxication, four times the legal limit from a mixture of controlled substances and alcohol. Cops are continuing to investigate the incidents and have collected evidence from where the party took place. Uh, GoFundMe account for the victim claimed he had been tortured for hours, which indeed he had. The victim spent Tuesday night with a group of people who he thought were friends. The page reads, They picked him up from his house and he expected to have a casual night with his friends, although his father, who we've heard from, since the incident said that he's come back messed up before and a few times he seemed like he was under the influence of something when he came back and he had uh something he had a cut above his eyebrow the last time he went that they had to get stitches in the teen wouldn't know until it was too late that these were not his friends but violent abusive perpetrators who would go on to torture humiliate and assault him in inhumane terrifying ways for hours according to the post the post also claimed He's on the brink of death after being brought to the hospital. He was, but he's alive as of now. The anguish he suffered is sure to be a long recovery, emotionally and mentally as well. The post states he is stable, but still in the ICU recovering and fighting through some lung infection from the aspiration. The victim regained enough strength to speak to police investigators. I bet he didn't want to turn in his friends, though. What do you want to, what do you want to bet? Now, should we take this? Should we take this that happened and politicize it? The people who did this were held back in some way. Bullshit. They made a choice and they did it. Now, let's talk about preventative measures, shall we? I think, and we're going to find out, not only me. But a wave in America, this is going around, not only America, in the world, as we have an international audience, people are mad and the FBI is getting involved. Charges need to be pressed. Now, this is no doubt from where this happened in an island 
community in Georgia that these were some affluent kids. Maybe you wanted to be cool and hang, hang out with them. Maybe their parents or somebody, and that's why charges weren't immediately filed when the evidence was right there. People aren't going to back down from this, and there's going to be repercussions. America wants to see repercussions. The world wants to see repercussions. And I'm not talking about life in prison, but I'm saying some heavy repercussions for the kids that did this to ensure that they will never do it again. And somebody else thinks about doing this and taking a dump on somebody's lap while throwing alcohol on them, they'll think, damn, it's not worth it. It is not worth it. It has nothing to do with whatever they've been through. Now, let me go to this next story about this same story that's being reported because from the time I got the first part of the story and then I went and rechecked for more, hell broke loose, all right? Let me show you what kind of hell's being unleashed. FBI joins probe into bullying of Georgia teen, Trent Laircamp, as crowd demands charges outside of hospital. The FBI, make sure you see this. The FBI has joined the investigation into the hazing and alleged torture of Georgia teen. As angry crowds gathered outside the victim's hospital to demand justice, hundreds of people showed up for a vigil. For a vigil Monday night. Outside the hospital where Trent 19 was being treated with many in the throng holding candles and demanding legal action against the alleged abusers. What if that was your child? What would you do? Hmm. No charges have been filed in this case, but local police said they are consulting with the FBI and other agencies as the probe escalates. You know, it's a problem that Trent is not talking he was dropped off at a Brunswick emergency room Wednesday after he was piled with dangerous amounts of alcohol, urinated on, spray-painted from head to toe. Somebody took, a, somebody took a grumpy on his lap, and according to a police report, the traumatized boy's father, Mark, told police Trent had been repeatedly hazed and bullied by the same group of boys at a house in the wealthy enclave of St. Simon's Island. You know... Yeah, I'm saying it's wealthy because look at this chair, all right? This is an expensive leather recliner that, you know, they are using to do this because it is of no consequence to them. But this is one from a movie room. Perhaps their parents were saying, ah, we don't need that anymore. We're doing new ones. You guys do whatever you want. Get rid of this. So, yeah, I think some of these kids have money. The stricken father said his son persists in associating with his assailants because he has no other friends. Several videos and photos of Laren Camp's abuse were posted to social media in recent days, sparking anger at the perpetrators and sympathy for the soft-spoken teen. Here's a picture of him in ICU. There he is. There's Trent. Police are investigating whether photos circulating on social media was taken from last week's incident. That's the one I showed you. The images show 
Uh, Laren Camp sitting unconscious in a chair while covered in spray paint. As several bird flipping males stand behind him and Monk for the camera with a grumpy on his lap. Just days before Tuesday's depravity left Lincoln Camp near death, his father told police that he went to the same location and came home covered in WD-40, vomit, paint, glue, egg yolk, and spray paint. According to documents, I know you're asking yourself the same question I am, then why did he go back? Regardless, he went back. The teens who dropped Lincoln Camp off in an emergency room last week gave staffers their names and phone numbers but departed before police arrived. According to several outlets, Laren Camp, a graduate of Glen Academy, so he was already a graduate. He lost his mother just two years ago when she was just 43 years old. She passed away at the same hospital where he's being treated. I'll tell you what. I would like to see people as disgusted and outraged as I am when a tragedy happens and these political interest groups grab onto it. That is what I would like to see. I think it should be something people should be disgusted to hear and people should be disgusted to do because you are disgusting, low-life, scum, scum-sucking bottom feeder to do something like that. I don't care what kind of political movement you're in. That is a low-life, scum-sucking thing to do. All right? And people need to see you for who you are. All right. Brian Kolberger. We have some new information about the Idaho 4 case. We're going to go over it now. The name of this is Internal Affairs Probe for Officer Involved. Officer Involved in Idaho College Killings. So we're going to check out this new bit of information that's been going over the Internet right now. And it's got your man Brian Enton. And i got a question for you about his opening here. Hey, everybody. I'm Brian Enton in for Dan Abrams. Brian Enton in for Dan Abrams. He is on vacation this week. Thanks a lot, Chris. We're going to... He is on vacation this week. Thanks a lot, Chris. I wonder what that is. Something like turn up the frequency, Kenneth. Is this some secret sign? I don't want to know. Let me know what you think in the comments below. Uh, You can go ahead and call me at 325-261-0892. Thanks a lot, Chris. I continue to cover this breaking news, these documents that just came out uh, right before the show in the case of Brian Kohlberger. You know what? Uh, let me just go ahead with this. Idaho student killer revealing what could actually be a major problem for prosecutors. Possible misconduct on the part of an officer involved in the case. That was revealed uh, during an internal affairs investigation and could involve information that could actually help the defense. In a notice filed to the court on Monday and released just a little more than an hour ago, state prosecutors have now notified the court that, quote, the state has become aware of potential Brady Giglio material related to one of the officers involved in the above reference case. That material in the form of confidential internal affairs investigation 
Key in on that word right there is hereby submitted in camera to the court. And the state goes on to say it will disclose this information to Koberger's attorneys, but because the information is confidential, prosecutors are asking the judge to issue a protective order to prohibit defense counsel from, quote, disseminating the information contained in the internal affairs investigation without court approval. Look, I know it's confusing. I was just telling Jesse Weber. This sounds like some... Um Cindy Herring th- stuff, doesn't it? Who joins us now had to read the document like three times. I'm not a lawyer, yep. um, but certainly this doesn't seem like a good thing for the prosecution. It's not. So let me just break it down real quick. It's called the Brady Giglio issue, right? So Brady what Giglio. that means is prosecutors by law have to turn over to the defense any evidence that might help the defense, might exonerate the defendant. And that includes, and this is the Giglio portion, any evidence that might impeach the credibility of a witness. And who have they referred to here? A police officer as part of an internal affairs investigation. So what could this be? What's the worst case? Let's say this was an officer that provided an affidavit in support of a search warrant for key evidence in this case. If that officer lied as a part of that affidavit, if this officer withheld information as a part of that affidavit, the potentially this evidence could be thrown out. This is a big problem for the prosecution now. And let's make it clear, they do not have a whole lot of evidence against Brian, not a whole lot of solid evidence. What if, for example... This had something to do with the, the sheath of the knife. Holy moly. This wouldn't be the first time that Ann, his lawyer, has gotten something thrown out before. I heard Dave Arenberg on Cuomo's show. This could also be something different. This could be something personal about the officer. But by law, they'll have to disclose it because let's say here's a different example. An officer maybe had a pattern of misconduct. Maybe it wasn't directly related to the Koberger investigation, but if this is an officer who maybe lied in the past or had some sort of misconduct, this is something the defense needs to know, whether they cross-examine the officer or not in a future trial, but I think this is going to be very important for the defense, and clearly we don't know what this information is. It is under seal, but I have seen cases before be dismissed because of Brady-Giglio violations and officers terminated because of this. So basically... This is all they know, so this is all I'm going to play. There's about, I played about half the clip. Everything I'm talking about, there's going to be a link, all right? There will be a link below the video in the description section. That is something I do for you, so you know I'm not just talking out of my bum cheeks. I'll tell you what, I got some breaking news right now as I was talking. I got the the uh, paperwork from, from uh, Trent Lairkamp from uh, the investigation. I got that right now. I'm going to come back and look at that after I play this next Kohlberger clip, which I call Kohlberger, but come on. All right, now this is long-awaited Brian Kohlberger's court documents released. Hello. I'm going to get a hold of those court documents. I'm going to go over with them with you as soon as I get a hold of them tomorrow on Midnight Radio. Joining me now with their insights on all of this are Jennifer Koffendoffer, a former oh, FBI special joy. agent with 28 years in the business of federal law enforcement, and Mark Garagos, trial attorney, criminal defense attorney, co-host of the podcast Beyond a Reasonable Doubt, alongside Adam Carolla. Okay, you two. Jennifer, I'm going to start with you. Uh, we've all just been reading these very quickly in the last hour. What stands out to you? Well, what 
stands out to me is the Brady Giglio situation, but I don't think it's anything that really should raise everybody's eyebrows too much. Basically, so wait, wait, it's a formal term, Brady Giglio. You understand it. Well, this is not something I've ever heard on um, Ashley Banfield's show before. Something, this is not something you should be excited about. Are you kidding me? Maybe she's turned the other cheek. Or maybe she's going to get in coffin off and say, hey, no, no, we should be very... People who have a law background, Garagos understands it, but the general population will wonder what is Brady Giglio and what's in the document recommending that. By the way, my dogs are named Brady and Giglio. I want you to know that. (laughs) I do not doubt that. I do not. So, Jennifer, with now, um, with that as just a... That was almost a joke. The the halt. um, Explain what that is, why there's a Brady and Giglio issue at all in these documents. So Brady is essentially any information that is... Oh, for the love of everything holy. This lady, she goes on these shows every day, okay? No, you know, I understand they need something, and you kind of are qualified to talk about stuff, even though you have nothing to do with it. I mean, Mark's a lawyer, you're not. Anyway, please get a better microphone. For the love of God, do we need to have a fundraiser? If I get her address and send her a proper mic to put a USB mic, can we get something for her? Please. I feel like my ears are being assaulted. Exculpatory. So exculpatory could be information that would help. I'm sorry. I'm an audio snob, I guess. The defense's case or hurt the prosecution's case. And again, I'm talking just in layman's terms. That is so the we're looking at, if they're just talking about Jiglio, confidential internal affairs, investigation they're talking about jiglio but you go over down here and boom long-awaited brian kolberger court documents released this is it i mean look at the way she words things and the different ways the folks at dan abrams words things quite interesting uh so they're talking about the same thing but saying a whole lot less let's continue for i don't know a few more seconds regarding exculpatory when you're talking about giglio evidence you're talking about evidence that is unfavorable or could show lack of credibility on a witness that all has to be turned over to the defense so these are the two areas that we're talking about and this is what's being raised but remember oh she's got her guitar there now maybe she's taking lessons maybe she's giving lessons being raised by the prosecution they're coming forward and saying listen we have an officer that might have these issues and we want full disclosure you know it'd be hilarious if you're being interviewed by somebody sometimes i get asked to do interviews i used to get asked to do interviews a lot but i had to shut it down i'd get asked to do interviews for ptsd a lot for veterans with ptsd i'm like i gotta shut this down because uh i don't want i'm not the ptsd guy you know what i mean but wouldn't it be funny if you had a bunch of weird stuff behind you, like a pogo stick and like a, you know, black whip or something, a pair of, uh, I don't know, uh, black patent leather boots that could go up to your thighs or something, just kind of hanging there on the wall if you're doing these interviews. And if they ask you, hey, what's that, you know, act like you don't know what you don't know what they're talking about. Just something you happen to have behind there. We're here, and that's what you would expect. The weirder, the better. Okay, so uh, this is where Dara goes. I think you should come in and tell me. I'm going to quote again what's in that, Brady. And gig or jig? Giglio or jiglio? Uh, I've heard it both ways from both of you. Which is it? I call the dog Jiglio, so I'm going to stay in. His nickname is Jig, so I'm sticking with it. Okay. 
All right. So in that, there is a quote, LOLs. a confidential internal affairs investigation and an officer involved in the case. And all of a sudden, my head is going to OJ, where the defense seized on police. All right, Cindy, I need you to call in that line, 325-261-0892. If anybody knows what officer this was, it would be you. Policing and attacked policing in any way they could, and it stuck with that jury. What are you seeing when you see that quote? I was the exact quote. same thing when I was texting with your producer. I was gonna, and she was asking about it. I was going to type "think Mark Furman" because if you've got, and to Jennifer's point, if it was just something that would impeach his credibility, that would generally be Jiglio. Um, if it is something that is potentially exculpatory, then that is Brady. And they called this Brady material, which leads me to believe that it's an accusation that this is something that has either been falsified or there's an investigation as to whether he's falsified. I, you normally see this with other complaints about excessive force and things like that. So I've kind of ruled that out and focused in on the other area that we generally see, which is somebody has said some that a officer has filed either a false police report or has testified falsely. There's an internal false, affairs investigation. That would be Brady material, especially false if testifying. an officer who was an affiant on one of these warrants or an officer. So what the hell was important enough that an officer's uh, testimony helped what, where we're at before, arrest Kohlberger, what was said that would have been a part of the affidavit so far that would have affected anything? Of course, some false testimony. I don't know. I'm thinking about this. If you guys have any clue what an officer could have lied about, 325-261-0892, go ahead and give me a call. Who collected some kind of evidence during one of these searches. So, so Jennifer, how does this work? We're in the middle of this, right? Nothing has been public. There's no trial. There's very, very little information to go on. How are we already at an internal affairs investigation involving an officer in the case? Who would have True. spoken up? Who would have pointed him or her out? Answer, how are we already there? Well, it's really important to point out that I don't believe this has anything to do with something that this officer has done connected with the Idaho investigation. This would be something that was done previously, something that was oh. pointed out or that he was under IA investigation for internal. Or he was already under the investigation because of something he lied on another case. Maybe, maybe, and this is my theory, I think I'm going to stick with it, maybe it's a panty pilferer. They found out it was actual policeman that was pilfering the panties on the previous show. You guys look at look it up, Midnight Radio on YouTube. Look at videos. Look for the panty pilferer. I think this might be that guy. Affairs investigation for previously. Panty so pilferer, this is a Stryson. very important distinction to make that there is no accusation that we know of that he's done anything that would be a Brady Giglio offense regarding this case per se. And I, I say, I would so Garagos, jump in with that and tell me, are you, are they trying to say like, oh, there's an officer who had something. You know what? Mark Giglio is on a podcast and I'm just beside myself that he just does not know how to talk with somebody else. He has no clue. He's always walking under Banfield. He knows 
that she's going to come to him, but he's always talking in the middle. Man, I would hate to listen to that podcast with him and Adam Carolla. On, you know, the files that should have been turned over to the defense because... Ashley, you need to have me on your show. I promise I won't do that to you. I'll let you talk. It's how it's the officer's M.O. prior to this whole crime happening. Is that what this is about? Well, normally what you see now with kind of the advent of, uh, of, of different or the, the cases is you will see what are called Brady databases. I'm looking for naughty things behind his back. I see the Statue of Liberty. That's about all I see. And a, uh, a boxer. Or Brady disclosures, where the prosecutors, when they find out that an officer has something in his past, whether it's an IA investigation or whether uh, sometimes you'll you'll see where uh, if you sue an officer and you get a judgment and if, for some particular reason that has to be disclosed. So uh, I would agree that it does not necessarily. His microphone's mean okay. Investigation in the Idaho. A lot of room case. echo. However, if it is in a prior well, case, I would like. Oh. Um, and that is generally <laughs> what the what this is in a Brady disclosure, uh, that can potentially be used in this case. And the reason that they can potentially use it is because they can cross-examine on it. They could ask other witnesses as to what happened. And I'm thinking it's something that this officer did wrong in the past. That is what I'm thinking. We'll just find out like you together. Can use, uh, Ashley, we've talked many times about uh, 1101 or 404 uh, type evidence of a modus operandi or identification to bring in other acts. You can do this in reverse with officers. Thank you for watching. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. Thank you very much. You don't know how much I appreciate it. You were here two times for me. You, you haven't been here for the past month, but by golly, I almost feel your back. Talk to you next time. I'll see you later. <laughs> so wrong, guys. I, was, I I joke about Ashley Banfield all the time, but actually I do like her. No, like's not the word. I appreciate her show. I appreciate her show very much. To me, it borders. It's a different kind of a news show. For those of you that don't watch it on the regular, it's a different kind of news show. You're going to have the clips to it below the main video in the video description below, but it almost borders between journalism and the way YouTube journalism is, you know, um, I don't want to say tabloidish, but it's in between there and make no mistake about it. You know, it's based on algorithm and I realize that and I appreciate what it is. You know, I appreciate what it is is all I'm saying. I got this breaking for you right now as we were going over the Ashley Banfield clip or actually is a Brian Enton clip. I want to save it for now. This is actual paperwork from the police for Trent uh, Trent Lara Kemp, Kemp. Here we go. Let's look at this together. This is something, guys. Something, guys. Glynn County Police Department uh, release incident report, a public release incident report. All right. Reporting area, Oglethorpe Point. I can't believe I could pronounce Oglethorpe. Laren Kemp, Mark. Middle name, Robert. Sex, white. Race, white. Male. Here we go. They put over offense OVD, so he's the only one on the fence. They put overdose on here. Like, he is the only one in trouble for this. 
All right. Let's go down to the actual report. And we have the call, initial call. All right, here we go. Subject, assault officer B. Reyes. On the day listed above, at around 2240 hours, I responded to 2415 Parkwood Drive, Southeast Georgia Health System. While en route, dispatch advised me that someone in blank wanted to make a report on the hazing that occurred somewhere on St. Simone Island. Dispatch had no information after that. Once at the hospital, I walked to blank, redacted. I observed a white male laying motionless on a hospital bed, hooked up to a ventilator, surrounded by Mark Lairkamp, father, sister, and the stepmother. I walked to the nurse station and spoke to Dr. Redacted, and Nurse Redacted stated that around 8.30 p.m. to 8.43 p.m., a white Jeep Wrangler four-door pulled up to the ER. Three occupants got out of the Jeep, saying that the male in the back seat, later identified as Trenton Larenkamp, was unresponsive after drinking vodka and antidepressants. Hmm. Went to the rear of the Jeep, opened the door, and found Trenton laying unresponsive without sh- with shallow breathing. Observed that Trenton's clothes were soaked with urine. Trenton had spray paint all over his body and hair with a small bruise on his left shoulder as redacted kept asking if they were free to leave. Redacted asked them if they want, if they could write their name and phone number on a sheet of paper in case redacted had any more questions. All three agreed and then got back into the Jeep and drove off. Redacted stated that Trenton's breathing was six times per minute. Tritton could not breathe independently, so they had to sedate him, put him on a ventilator. Redacted also noted that Trenton's blood alcohol level was at 0.464. I first spoke to Mark, who stated that the last time he saw Trenton was earlier in the day at 4.52 p.m. Trenton was perfectly fine and went on to his friend's house, Redacted. Later that day, around 8.40 p.m., Redacted told Mark, Something had happened to Trenton and that he might be at the hospital. Mark called the hospital and asked if Trenton had been dropped off the hospital. Staff informed Mark that Trenton was dropped off and Mark needed to get there immediately. When Mark arrived, he saw that Trenton was on a ventilator. Mark asked that this was not the first. That doesn't make any sense. He saw that Trenton was on a ventilator. Mark stated that this was not the first time that Trenton had gone to Redacted's house and returned hurt. Last Friday on the 17th of March, Trenton came home covered in WD-40 vomit, paint, glue, egg yolk, and spray paint. Mark stated that Trenton seemed high or drunk, and two weeks prior, Mark had to take Trenton to the emergency room because he came home with a severe laceration above his left eye. That required stitches. Mark says that whoever Trenton goes to, redacted, house, he never returns home normal. Mark states that the reason why Trenton goes over to redacted's house is that Trenton has no other friends. When Trenton is at redacted's house, he is accepted and with people he thinks care for him. Mark also believes that since they are younger than Trenton, he might think they look up to him. Mark also said that Trenton would not fight or defend himself against 
redacted or any other individual or any other juveniles because Trenton knows that since they are minors, if he hurts them, he will get into serious trouble. Mark also states that Trenton had recently been to a long line of redactions. Mark has photos and videos of all the past incidents where Trenton has come home from redacted house hurt recovered in objects. Mark also has a picture of the location where Trenton's phone was pinging, which shows Redacted's house. I don't know, guys. I'm going to continue here, but what are you thinking? Why, why did the father allow him to continue to go over to that house? He still lived at the father's house, even though he was apparently, what, 19 years old. But he's going to the house of high schoolers. Why does parents allow that, or did they not allow it but didn't have any choice? I want to know more of the story. I then spoke with Redacted, who stated that the last time she talked to Trenton was on the phone at 5.48 p.m. for 43 seconds. Redacted stated it was about a missing Minions toy. The Redaction is actually the mother, by the way. I know that. A missing Minions toy she was trying to find for their little brother. Trenton said he would return it to him. They hung up, then hung up suddenly. Redacted didn't think anything of it and carried on with her day. Two hours later, at around 8.30, 39 p.m. She got a message from Redacted on Snapchat stating, N I G G A O M G, I know you're sick of hearing it, but like I wasn't there, but like Trenton is effing dying, apparently. Blank asked where, and he replied, Take a guess. Redacted MFing showed that it was pinging at the hospital. While Redacted was en route to the hospital with her father and mother. She got a voice message from Redacted stating what had happened to Trenton and that Redacted had told what they did. Mark was able to give me videos and photos of past incidents with Trenton returning from Redacted's house. Redacted providing me with a picture of the Snapchat message from Redacted and the voice message she was given while en route to the hospital as of 12.19 a.m., March 22nd, 2023, Trenton is still on a ventilator and moved to ICU. No charges have been filed given at this time. Video and photos uploaded to theevidence.com. Nothing further at this time. So here's my question to you. He had autism. Do you think there should be charges filed? He didn't voluntarily poop on himself or urinate on himself. Now, if somebody hocks a loogie on somebody, that's assault. So should they all be charged with assault? At the very least, since they're probably not going to be telling on themselves, and maybe they will. What do you think should happen with this? I want to know. Phone number is 325-261-0892. I want to hear it. I'm going to play it on the show. This is a conversation we need to have together. That's what this show is about. It is a conversation with you. What matters to you? What do you think should be done? What do you think about all these cases we've covered tonight? What do you think about the school shooting? What do you think about what I said about the school shooting, Audrey Helen Covenant school shooting in Nashville? What do you think about political agendas being played against the deaths of kids as so many politicians like to do. What do you think the real cure would be for 
people coming into the schools and murdering our children. Do you think more laws making it illegal to kill people will do it? Tell me what you think. I think that armed guards with weapons to take somebody's life who's going to do that, uh, a.k.a. a quicker response, a quicker decisive response. I also want to know what you think about the police officer in the internal affairs investigation on the Colberger case. Let me know. You can comment below. All right. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Please, if you followed me this far, go ahead and give it a like. Subscribe if you haven't and hit that bell so you can join in the conversation. I appreciate you showing up. I'll be back next time. I have some more things I want to talk about with you. Until then, all my best.